take the Word of God, if you would, with me today. And we are now uh, going to enter to the preaching time and uh, turn to Exodus chapter 8. Exodus chapter 8. We are in lesson 7 of our Sunday school curriculum entitled Freedom from Bondage. Freedom from Bondage. If you remember last week, I wasn't here, but Pastor Turner uh, gave the lesson on God's game plan. God's game plan. And uh, hey, can I tell you today that God has a plan, He has a will, He has a purpose for each one of our lives. He has a plan for uh, Tim's life, for Miss Terry's life, for Manny's life, for Miss Kamika's life, uh, for Brother Jellybird's life. Hey, He has a plan for all of us this evening. He's a plan for me. It's a plan for Pastor Turner, for Mrs. Turner downstairs. Uh, he has a will. God has a plan. But just as God has a plan for our lives, Satan would like nothing more. The enemy of God, Satan means enemy or opposer or liar. Satan is opposed against the plan of God. And uh, Satan really doesn't care what you do so long as it's not God's plan. It's not God's will as long as it's not God's game plan, um, that's what he uh, would prefer us to do. If I can uh, just uh, allow me before we read the text in Exodus chapter 8, let me uh, talk about a man by the name of Paul Harvey. Paul Harvey. He was born in 1918 in the United States of America. He was a radio broadcaster for ABC News Radio. He broadcast news and comment on mornings and middays and on weekdays at noon on Saturdays, and also his famous The Rest of the Story segments. Something he would say on his show, he would say, now you know the rest of the story. Some kind of variation of the rest of the story. Now you know the rest of the story. And it was a Monday through Friday radio program originally hosted by Mr. Harvey. And beginning as a part of his newscast during the Second World War, uh, and then uh, premiering on its own on May 10th, 1976, the rest of the story consisted of stories presented as little known or forgotten facts on a variety of subjects with key elements of the story, usually the name of some well-known person held back until the end. And he would always end his show, his radio broadcast with, now you know the rest of the story. Uh, Paul Harvey was known for writing something incredible. Last week, we learned about God's game plan. Uh, let me read for you today what the devil's game plan might look like. Paul Harvey writes, He being death, dead yet speaketh. He writes for us, Paul Harvey does, If I were the devil, if I were the devil, if I were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness. I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population, but I wouldn't be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree. And so I'd set about, however necessary, to take over uh, the world. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. Uh, with the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve, do as you please. To the young, I would whisper, the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what's bad is good and what's good is square. And to the old, I would teach them to pray after me, our Father 
which art in Washington. <laughs> and then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors to, uh, to, on how to make lurid literature look exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction, and I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families that war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves, until each in its turn was consumed. And with promises of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerized media fanning the flames. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellects, but neglect to discipline emotions. Just let those run wild. And before you knew it, you'd have drug-sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. Within a decade, I'd have prisons overflowing. I'd have judges promoting pornography. Soon I could evict God from the courthouse, then from the schoolhouse, and then from the churches, or rather from the houses of Congress. And in his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion and deify science. I would lure priests and pastors into misusing boys and girls and church money. If I were the devil, I'd make the symbols of Easter an egg and the symbol of Christmas a bottle. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give to those who want until I've killed the incentive of the ambitious. And what do you bet I could get whole provinces, whole states to promote gambling as the way to get rich? I would caution against extremes and hard work and patriotism and moral conduct. I would convince the young that marriage is old-fashioned, that swinging is more fun, that what you see on TV is the way to be. And thus, I could undress you in public. I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. If I were the devil, I'd just keep doing what he's doing. That last sentence is harrowing. It's scary. I tell you, hey, that has been the devil's game plan since day one, to subvert God's plan, to ruin uh, everything that God said in his word, or, or rather to subvert it and to, to hate on it. Lesson seven today is breaking out of Satan's compromise. Breaking out of Satan's compromise. Exodus chapter eight has a very interesting story. Look at verse 25 and uh, through verse 28 with me. We're going to hear a little bit about Pharaoh, and a little bit about Moses, and a little bit about Aaron. These have been key characters that we've been talking about. Exodus chapter number 8, look at uh, verse 25. Exodus 8, 25. Inspired scripture reads, Pharaoh called for Moses and for Aaron and said, Go ye, sacrifice to your God in the land. Moses said, It's not meet to do so. For we shall sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God, Lo, we, uh, shall we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes? Will they not stone us? We will go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he shall command us. Verse 28, Pharaoh said, I will let you go that ye may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Uh, let's read the rest of the verse together, verse 28, beginning at the word only. You see that in the text? Exodus 8, 28, ready, begin. Only 
ye shall not go very far away and treat for me. In other words, he was saying, hey, Israel, hey, Moses, don't go too far away. You can go, but don't go too far away. This is kind of like Satan in our lives. Hey, you can serve God, but don't serve him all the way. Throughout Scripture, we see God continually calling his people unto himself. God wants a relationship with us, and he's rightly jealous of that relationship. He's holy, he's pure, and his loving jealousy is an integral characteristic of God that uh, he really makes uh, unquestionably clear in the second commandment. Thou shalt not bow yourself to other gods, nor serve them, for I, the Lord God, am a jealous God. In our text passage for today, God calls the children of Israel out of Egypt and to be with him. Hey, God has called us out uh, so that he may bring us into himself, but also to send us out uh, to do his will. Okay, he's calling all of us. He's calling uh, Liam and Brother Jose and uh, uh, Jeremiah. He's calling Brother Maddie. He's calling all of us uh, to serve him, to walk with him. Surely as God called the children of Israel out of Egypt, and as surely as God is calling you unto himself, Satan is also working to pull us away from God. The devil through Pharaoh constantly challenged Moses and the children of Israel to compromise. He tried to keep them, at least partly in Egypt. And in our lives, the devil's still trying to cut little deals to keep us out of church, out of the Bible, and to keep us from giving God our full heart. Paul spoke of this struggle in Galatians chapter 5, verse 17. The flesh, that's our old man. Before we're saved, we still have this old Adamic nature. The flesh lusteth, it fights against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. The spirit, through the word of God, leads us and teaches us to follow God's path. The devil, through the world and the flesh, attempts to draw us off God's path and from a walk with God. Through Exodus, God calls his people away from Egypt. He wants his people absolutely out of and free from the land of Egypt. Egypt was a place of lust and consumption where the Israelites only thought of themselves. Uh, turn with me to Exodus 16. Exodus 16. I'll begin reading when I get there for sake of time. Exodus 16, verse 3. Exodus 16, verse 3. Is there anyone who would like the notes for today? Uh, if you don't have notes and you'd like uh, notes, raise your hand. Brother Kim can get those to you and Brother Barry can. Anyone need notes? Thank you all. Exodus 16, verse 3 reads, The children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, and when he sat by the flesh pots, and when we did eat bread to the full. For ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. And so Israel was thinking only of themselves. When they finally got the chance to leave Egypt, all they could think about uh, was the food that they ate, Okay. Egypt was a place of idolatry, worship uh, to the devil and bondage. For ye know how we have dwelt in the land of Egypt, how we came through the nations which passed by. You saw their idols, you saw their abominations, uh, which were among them. Can I just say this? Uh, uh, Egypt is a picture of what Satan wants to do to every Christian. It's a comparison. So when you see Egypt in the Bible, Egypt is a picture of sin. And uh, Satan wants to pull us into a place of bondage, Remember the title of the curriculum, it's Freedom from Bondage. Satan wants to 
bind us and to control us and to ruin our lives. And so um, he wants to pull us far from God. We are confronted with a constant pull away from fellowship with the Lord. We experience this pull at every turn in this world. We're pulled by media. We're pulled by the people at school, the people at work, uh, Satan's demonic power, and by a million other devices of Satan. And I say this again. Egypt, Egypt is a picture of the pull of the world on Christians. I'm saying Egypt in the Bible. I'm not saying modern Egypt today or even ancient Egypt that built the pyramids. I'm saying when Egypt is mentioned in the Bible, in the Bible stories, it's a type or a picture of sin. And so let's today look at four temptations uh, that Pharaoh offered Moses and see the correlation with the devil's temptations to us today. Pharaoh can be compared uh, to Satan in these passages uh, as far as uh, how he tries to get Israel to capitulate to his demands, and Satan will try to get us to rescind our own hearts and lives to him as well. Notice number one, number one, the temptation to conform. The temptation to conform. Remember, God had already brought the first four plagues upon the land of Egypt. Remember, he turned the Nile and all fresh water to what class? What did he turn it to? Blood. I hear that. Good. He sent frogs that com uh, completely covered the land. He made the dust of the land of Egypt to become lice. He sent a grievous swarm of flies throughout the land. Hey, God uh, promised to deliver Israel, but Pharaoh promised uh, to let the people go during the plague of frogs. But what happened was, uh, he said, one more night, one more night with the frogs. And uh, he went through that night, and then uh, they removed the frogs from the land, or Moses did. And then Pharaoh's immediate response to Moses upon being asked about what was next was, I am not letting those people go. And uh, man, uh, Pharaoh's heart hardened, and Pharaoh changed his mind. Now, in the plague of flies, Pharaoh offers Moses a deal. Let's turn back to Exodus chapter 8. Exodus chapter 8. Could I have a volunteer to read verse 25? Exodus 8, verse 25. You see that? Those last couple words there. Sacrifice to the Lord in the land. So in Egypt, you can sacrifice. Uh, Pharaoh said the Israelites could sacrifice, but they must do it in the land of Egypt. Imagine, that's like Satan saying, hey, Christian, you can serve God, but you can do it while you're sinning in the land of Egypt. Notice a conforming invitation, a conforming invitation, C-O-N-F-O-R-M-I-N-G, a conforming invitation. Pharaoh's invitation to Moses stated that they could go and sacrifice just as long as they didn't actually leave the land of Egypt. In effect, he was saying, just stay here among our false gods, among our idols. You can stay, uh, but stay here, please. And this invitation confronts us boldly today. It presents itself to us at work, at school, at social events, and it looks like this. Hey, you can be a Christian. You can have your Christianity, but don't get carried away. Don't be a fanatic. Uh, just stay here and hang out. Do what you've always done. It's kind of a peer pressure. An interview with a man who lived to be about 101 years old, uh, he was asked, what do you think is the best thing about being your age? Here's what he answered. He said, that's easy. No peer pressure. At 101 years old, all your best friends have passed away, right? 
but peer pressure affects everybody, and it comes to us in different forms. Imagine. Don't expect a raise if you don't hang out with your friends or your peers after work, your work friends, your work uh, uh, mates, your coworkers. Hey, you can still be a Christian and go to church and be religious, but just do what we do. Just laugh at the dirty jokes. You can still be religious, but just don't go out all the way for God. And each of these statements is an invitation to stay in the land. And the Bible plainly teaches how we should respond to this invitation. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17 says, Wherefore, come out from among them, be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, I will receive you. And this verse specifically referred to idol worship in the first century. It was the 21st century, I think, okay? That's a long time ago. But ancient truth is still truth. And it was spoken back then, and it still refers to idols today, okay? Idols like alcoholism and sensuality. And it refers to things that we allow uh, to become idols like video games or sports or affluence or riches or money or, or, or a nice boat or uh, a nice property or whatever. God says, I want you to come out from all that. Uh, it's good to have money. money. Money is great, but when money has you, it's a problem. And he says, come out from that. And I want you to be mine. Be mine. Come out and be separate. Don't stay in Egypt. Notice a conforming invitation, but now a courageous response. A courageous response. Moses' answer was not what Pharaoh wanted to hear. Moses said, it's not meet to do so, for we shall sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians to God. And notice the Egyptian people, they were polytheistic. Someone help me out. What does it mean to be polytheistic? If you're polytheistic, what does that mean? Right over here? Many gods. To be polytheistic means you believe in uh, many gods and you worship many kinds of gods. The animals that the Jews were going to sacrifice to God uh, were lambs and rams. And the Egyptians, they worshipped goats. They worshipped sheep. And this would be an abomination to the Egyptians. It would be weird to them. They would, they would get angry because they worshipped these animals. And Moses told Pharaoh that if the Israelites stayed in the land and offered sacrifices, they would be killing the very things that the Egyptians worship. And uh, if we kill these animals, Moses said, the Egyptians will stone us because we're going to be violating their law right in front of them. And so despite uh, Pharaoh's firm invitation to worship in the land, Moses instead chose to worship God. And this is our opportunity as well. When we are tempted to compromise our faith, the key word for this lesson, by the way, is compromise. That's to change. And to, um, you know, Baptists are like, we never change, never change, never change. I don't know what it is, <laughs> right? But hey, um, the temptation to conform and compromise is very real. Uh, to compromise our faith, there are some things uh, that do not change. We serve an uh, unchanging Christ in an ever-changing world. There are some things that stay the same, okay? Uh, we should choose and can choose to obey God. There is the temptation, number one, to conform. Number one, the temptation to conform. Number two, the temptation to compromise. The temptation to compromise. Write that down. That's a blank right there in your notes. The temptation to compromise. Many years ago, there was a preacher who had two sons. And this preacher uh, one day was walking along the road, and he meets... Uh, this, this cute little black dog. And he says, you know what, I'm going to decide to take this, this dog home with me. 
And the, the, the boys, his sons, they really, really love this dog. And what they discovered uh, soon is that their next-door neighbors uh, had just moved in. These were some new tenants, some new move-ins, and they had lost their dog. And wouldn't you know it, it was a little black dog with some white stripes on its tail. And that matched the description of the dog that was staying at their house. And so the name of the fella was Mr. James, and Mr. James uh, saw that black dog, and uh, he heard the report um, that uh, there was a dog missing in town. And so what the, what the boys ended up doing, they ended up taking some shoe polish and painting the stripes that were on the tail of this little black dog, they painted them black. And one, one day, their neighbors stopped by the house and they said, you know what, we believe that is our dog. That is our dog. You guys have our dog. And this is a preacher, remember. This is a pastor. The preacher says to these neighbors, Mr. James, he says, well, that's not your dog. If this was your dog, I would have white stripes on its tail. This dog has a black tail. It has no stripes on it. <laughs> and can you believe that this man called himself a pastor? This man called himself a preacher. And so the neighbors walked away and said, you know what? That must be your dog. That's not our dog. And they walked away. Those two boys grew up to be the most notorious criminals in the history of North America. They were part of the Jesse James gang. And so here's a preacher who kept his dog but lost his boys. He compromised. And uh, can I just say, we live in an era of fuzzbuster dads that'll let their boys break the speed limit. Uh, some moms that'll say, hey, just lie about your age in the movie theater, okay? Uh, when we go out to the movies, you're 12, you're not 13, we gotta get a cheaper price, you know? Um, just tell a little white lie, and um, we'll, we'll compromise on things. We know what we should be doing, but we don't do it. And little sins lead to big sins. And so when Pharaoh told Moses not to go very far away, he was offering something that we call a compromise. Moses could not do it, he could not compromise. Compromise is keeping oneself close enough to the world to still be influenced by it and kept in bondage to it, okay? This is kind of a church definition, if I can say that, okay? When you go out uh, on Main Street and you talk about compromise, uh, <laughs> when, when we study it in this context, we understand that uh, it's a little bit different from the dictionary definition of compromise. So let me define it for you here. Compromise is keeping oneself close enough to the world to still be influenced by it and kept in bondage to it. In Exodus chapter 8, verse 28 through 32, Pharaoh said, I'll let you go. He did, didn't he? He said, I will let you go. Just don't go far away. And Moses said, behold, I'll go away from you. I'm going to entreat the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart from Pharaoh. But let not Pharaoh deceitfully anymore deal in not letting the people go sacrifice to the Lord. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses. He removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh. There remained not one fly. Okay? But Pharaoh hardened his heart at this time also. Neither would he let the people go. Next, a compromising proposal. A compromising proposal. Hey, Israel. Hey, Israel, look right up here. You can worship God. Go ahead. Worship God. Just don't get carried away with it. Does it sound familiar? 
I said, I get that you go to church on Sunday. Uh, but, you know, Sunday morning's okay, but Sunday nights, are you out of your mind? Just go one time. You don't need to do the Sunday night thing. A discipleship, one-on-one discipleship, you meet with Pastor Turner and you talk about the Bible. Are you weird or something? That's overboard. You can go along with this Christianity. Just don't become a fanatic. Hey, too many churches are willing to compromise. They've uh, created and adopted an accommodating theology when they try to blend the world uh, and, and uh, the, philosophy, the philosophy of the devil uh, with the church. And people uh, want less preaching, it seems. And so the church gives less preaching. People want more entertainment, and so the church provides it. The purpose of the church is not to provide less preaching. The purpose of the church is not to provide uh, less uh, 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 of the Bible, more entertainment. No, the purpose of the church, however, is to worship the living God. The, the compromising proposal of the world should not be the voice to which the church listens. It's not just the church who listens to the proposal of compromise, however. It's the girl who wants to uh, adorn herself in modest apparel, but is afraid that she's going to be weird. Okay? It's the boy who wants to glorify God, but he knows it's going to be out of place. He's going to seem out of place if he doesn't cuss and swear. It's all of us who know that uh, we should do right and uh, we know what we should do and how we should stand up for Christ, but struggle with standing up for Christ in the moment. Don't go too far away, the enemy whispers, or people will call you a fanatic. Demolish that proposal. Uh, the men and women who have changed this world are the men and women uh, that the world could not change. Moses was one of those men. When Willie Nelson was starting out his musical career, a famous musician, uh, Willie Nelson, uh, he uh, quickly developed a following among the bars and the honky-tonks in Fort Worth, Texas, where he would play and sing. And nearly every Sunday morning, he could be found teaching in an independent Baptist Sunday school. And before this double life became a problem, and the pastor of his church confronted him regarding his testimony, the pastor explained he must either give up his class or his lifestyle. And Willie Nelson said, I decided to stay with the beer joints. The preacher sounded so wrong to me that I quit the Baptist church. And when confronted with the choice to come out of the world or not serve as a Sunday school teacher, Willie Nelson chose the world. He made a wrong choice. Moses made a wise choice. He knew he couldn't be a friend of the devil and a friend of God. James 4.4, 4, Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. While God had called Moses and the Israelites to leave Egypt, Pharaoh invited them to worship God, but stay connected to Egypt. And many Christians today want both ways. They want to stay connected to the world and at the same time try to serve the Lord. But God says it cannot be so. One reason that Christians accept the compromising proposals is that they don't fear the Lord as much as they fear men. The Bible says in Proverbs 9, uh, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the holy is understanding. The fear of man brings a snare. It's a trap. And when we fear the Lord, we are going to have the wisdom to make the decision not to compromise when we are tempted. A compromising proposal. A considerate response. Your next blank there. A considerate response. I know it's warm here. Stay with me. We're nearly done. When Pharaoh presented Moses with his compromise, Moses actually prayed for Pharaoh. How often do we pray for our enemies, right? And 
uh, in Exodus chapter 8, verse 30, Moses went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord, and there remained not one fly. And, and just uh, as Pharaoh kept tempting Moses, why don't you stay in the land? Uh, don't be too different from us. Satan will use various people to tempt us. Just go to church, they say, but don't change anything else. Like Moses, you and I can resist the temptation to compromise. Pray for those who try to lead you to compromise. Number one, the temptation to conform. Number two, to compromise. Number three, to corrupt. Pharaoh presented Moses with another proposal. Go ahead and sacrifice. Go ahead, do it. But leave your children here in Egypt. Look at Exodus 10, verse 8. Exodus chapter number 10 and verse 8. Exodus 10, 8, Moses and Aaron were brought again unto Pharaoh, and he said unto them, Pharaoh said to this group, go and serve God, but who are they that shall go? Moses said, we're going to go with our young, our old, our sons, our daughters, and our flocks. Our sheep are going with us. Our herds are going with us, for we must hold a feast to the Lord. Notice a divisive proposal, a divisive proposal. Satan wants to corrupt and divide families. You can have the old generation. You can have the elderly. Church is for old people, right? But give me the children. This is what Satan says. You can have the kids. Let me, let me have the teenagers. Let me have the high schoolers. Let me have uh, those in the patch club. Let me have their hearts. The old people, fine. But Satan is seeking uh, to ruin our lives in every way. Notice the education of all children from the moment that they can get along without a mother's care shall be in state institutions at state expense, quote by Karl Marx. The philosophy to let the world rear your children did not start with communism. It started with Satan. Exodus 10, verse 10 and 11. He said unto them, let the Lord be so with you as I will let you go and your little ones. Pharaoh said, look to it, for evil is before you. I'm warning you, if you go out there, Satan says, or Pharaoh says, They'll give me some problems. And Satan will kind of just scare us. Hey, if you serve God, it's going to be miserable. And then he says, not so. Go now, ye that are men, serve the Lord. For that ye did desire. And they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. Pharaoh tempted Moses to let his religion be only for his generation, for the elderly. And remember, Moses was about 80 years old at this time. And he's talking to a 20 two-year-old punk kid, right? <laughs> this 22-year-old on a throne says, get this man away from me. Drive him from my presence. And Moses and Aaron, 80 years old, 70 years old, they have to walk away because the king is mad, right? And uh, Pharaoh uh, had an offer, and this offer would divide family unity, destroy heritage. He says, you can take the men, but leave the women and children behind. And today, parents are accosted with the temptation to let their children stay behind when it comes to their family's commitment to serving the Lord. Many Christians today allow the public school and media to have a greater influence than they themselves do in their own children's lives. God, on the other hand, wants us to move forward with our children. With our children. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. God's instruction to us is not to let your children make up their own minds. You hear me? 
God's instruction to us is not to let our children make up their own minds, but rather to train them, to guide them, to exemplify the change in their lives that they need to see, to model it, right? It is our responsibility to bring them along with us, encourage them, to nurture them, okay? A divisive proposal, and now a committed response. Moses wasn't going to leave the women and children behind. A divisive proposal, a committed response. We're all going to serve and worship the Lord, Moses said. Joshua 24, verse 15, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Uh, just as the Apostle Paul was able to invite uh, the believers in Greece to follow him as he followed Christ, so Christian parents should be able to say the same to their children. He says in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, be ye followers of me. Paul said, be my follower. Follow me. Be ye followers of me, even as I am a follower of Christ. How could Paul say that? He had to be the real deal. He couldn't be fake. He couldn't be phony. Paul had to be the real deal. And so for him to say, hey, all of you follow me because I'm following Jesus. For him to be able to say that, he had to be genuine. Don't you think? Number one, the temptation to conform. Number two, to compromise. Then to corrupt. Number four, to conceive. The temptation to conform, to compromise, to corrupt, to conceive. C-O-N-C-E-D-E. -E. Number four, the temptation to concede. Satan never stops fighting, and sometimes his biggest guns seem the most subtle. A material concession. A material concession. In Exodus chapter 10, verse 24, Moses called Moses. He said, hey, you can serve God. Go ahead. Go. Uh, but let your, let your sheep stay. I'll keep your flocks. I'll keep your cows. You can take your wives. You can take your kids. Just leave your animals here. And Pharaoh knew he wanted the Israelites to come back. He wanted them to be slaves. Satan wants you to be a slave. Okay? If you're saved, you're no longer a slave to fear. You're a child of God. You're no longer a slave to Satan. You're a child of the king. And Satan says, hey, you can sell out to God. You can, you can serve God, but not all the way. Satan knows that if we don't include our wealth in our worship, we will not serve the Lord long term. If you have made the decision to overcome Satan's offered compromises, you brought your children with you as you follow God, the devil offers another compromise. Be careful. Don't get all in. Don't get carried away. Your money belongs to you. That's what Satan will tell you. And Satan knows that when you start giving of your money and your wealth to God, your heart's going to follow that gift. Because the New Testament says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then giving is going to be a reflection of your heart. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. God loveth a cheerful giver. God loves it when we give with a smile. Amen? God loves it when we give with a smile. A material concession. A spiritual conviction. A spiritual conviction. A material concession, a spiritual conviction. Moses had a conviction. He had something died in the wool, nailed down in his heart, rock-ribbed truth. He knew it was impossible to leave the herds and the flocks and to leave the sheep because giving was a large part of the way that they would serve God, right? 
Uh, we don't cut open sheep and lambs, and we don't slit their throats and spray blood everywhere like they did back then. But that's what they did to worship God. You hear me? Okay? Um, so they needed their flocks and their herds to sacrifice to God. And Moses said, you need to allow us to have these sacrifices. Our cattle shall also go, go with us. There shall not be one hoof left behind. For therefore must we also take to serve the Lord our God. Not a single hoof. And it'd be easy for us to ask, really? Everything? Everything? Every single hoof? Does it all have to belong to God? Moses said he didn't know how much they would need to sacrifice. And so they needed everything they owned to be available. Everything had to come with them. And Moses understood that everything he had uh, came uh, from God. Uh, who am I and what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? Moses said, uh, for all things come of thee. All things come of thee and of thine own have we given thee. Every part of us belongs to the Lord, our possession uh, and ourselves. What, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God? Ye are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Hey, you belong to God because he made you. You belong to God because he bought you at Calvary. And the price would, uh, which we have been bought has been paid by Jesus. His blood was uh, uh, shed to cover our sins. Everything we have is very small in contrast. He calls us to worship him with all that we have. Worship means to ascribe worth to. And when we give God everything, we say, Lord, I count you worthy. I trust you enough uh, to give back what I give you. And that's what Moses did. He realized giving was a part of their worship. To conclude, God is a God of great love. God is a God of great love for you. God loves you. He wants fellowship with you. He's jealous for that fellowship. He guards it. And the devil is constantly trying to pull you back from serving God complete, uh, completely. And he does everything uh, he can, the devil does, to keep you from being a committed Christian. And he offers many compromises along the way. He tempts you to conform. He says it's okay to have a Christian bumper sticker, to know a few songs, to sing them on Sunday, but stay connected to the world. He tempts you to compromise. He says don't go too far. Don't uh, remove some of those Christian words from your vocabulary, but be also able to converse about worldly things. He tempts you to corrupt. Satan says, leave your children behind. You can love God, but it doesn't matter if everyone else in your family loves him. Make them and allow them, let them make their own decisions. He tempts you to concede. He tempts you to give up. He says, don't sacrifice you can go to church and even serve in some ways, but don't get involved with your treasure. Don't give God your heart. Don't give God your wallet. Don't do that. But hey, conversely, God gives us hope. Jesus gives us hope. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. God is faithful. He's not going to suffer you to be tempted above that which ye are able with the temptation, God's going to make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. When Satan comes to you, as Pharaoh uh, did to Moses, tempting to 
uh, have you do it his way. There's a way for you and for me to escape. The way to escape is the Bible, the Word of God. That's the way of escape. So cherish this book. When Satan comes to you as Pharaoh did to Moses, and by the way, I'm not just talking about black ink on white paper. I'm not talking about the physical book. This book can't save you, but the truth contained therein can. Okay, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but thy word shall never pass away. God's words do not change. So read his word, he'll change you. It's like a strainer. If you ran a strainer through a river, right, you might not see a change in the cleanliness or, or, or the look of the strainer because water is going to keep going through it. But eventually, it's going to be clean, and God wants to clean your heart. God wants to clean my heart. And uh, the way to escape is to obey the word of God. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto, according to thy word. After Jesus had fasted 40 days, Satan came to him and said, If you're really the Son of God, if you are who you say you are, command that these stones be made bread. And in that moment, Jesus resisted through the word of God. It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Hold on to God's word. The word... Uh, is going to set you free. The truth will set you free, but it first must make you miserable. That's why it hurts. That's why a lot of people don't like church, because it makes them uncomfortable, okay? Well, you need to love the truth. Buy the truth and sell it not. Hold on to God's word. The world will constantly try to pull you, but the word of God will be your anchor in times of temptation to compromise. Let's trust in his word. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thine paths.